Welcome to Fresh Take, where we speak to food systems experts about topics related to organic and sustainable agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to our latest episode of the Fresh Take podcast. Uh, today, we're very excited to be talking to Brian White, uh, co-founder and CEO of Yupon Brothers American Tea Company. And we also have Andy Emrich, uh, who is our programs manager at Florida Organic Growers. Um, we're going to be talking to Brian about his company and very interesting things about tea. And um, we know that everyone listening will really enjoy our conversation today. Um, thank you for joining us, Brian. Hey, thank you for having me. So we usually begin by finding out a little bit about our guest. So if you could maybe share with us a little bit about how you got started, you know, with the company or your know, interest in tea or anything that you feel that you might want to share with uh, our audience, that would be that would be great. Yeah, sure. So um, I want to start off by saying that all of our tea products are made from uh, a native plant here in Florida called Yopon Holly. Uh, which is also the only indigenous source of caffeine native to the United States. And I got into it because I'm a really nerdy plant person and I've always been into native plants specifically, uh, just randomly fascinated with the native plant communities that exist here in Florida. And uh, what happened was I was at my home in New Smyrna Beach uh, along the Atlantic coast of central Florida and a hurricane blew through. This is 11, 12 years ago. And we had some saltwater intrusion into the uh, maritime hammock that was right across the street from my house. And it really just wiped out the vegetation. Everything was kind of dead and brown, except for these sprays of random green stuff sticking out. And I realized that this was Yopon Holly and I, you know, read a few books about it and, you know, found out that it was the only native caffeine source in our country. And uh, then kind of came across all of the history of the indigenous ritual consumption of Yopan, which lasted maybe 8,000 years. And I was totally just befuddled by it. You know, how do we have something that is caffeinated growing right on our backyard and nobody's doing anything with it. I said, well, it must taste like crap or somebody would have already, you know, capitalized on this, made it into a product or an industry or a crop or something. But that just wasn't the case. You know, I think that uh, just hadn't been thought about in a really long time. And we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but I've, you know, found some videos on YouTube. I've made some tea. I forced it on everybody I know and everybody liked it. And I just started from there. You know, I didn't know anything about business, didn't know anything about farming, didn't know anything about food production, and uh, just sort of jumped into it feet first. And, you know, 10 years later, we've got 100,000 trees in the ground and producing about 12,000 pounds of yopon leaves a year. Wow, that's incredible. I love to hear about people just, you know, really grabbing onto something that they love and it just seems so exciting. Um, can you talk a little bit about your business model and specifically where is the tea grown? How is it packed? You know, growing the tea, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. So in the beginning, you know, we were just picking wild yopon in very small quantities, uh, which is what the majority of the industry is today. And when I say industry, I mean, you know, a handful, maybe a dozen of producers that exist in the Southeast United States. 
what is happening is a lot of this small emergent industry is transitioning from wild crafting to cultivating yopon, which has really never been done in a meaningful way. So we were sort of the pioneers of that. Uh, we invested very early on in our own cultivars of yopon, which are produced in, uh, in a tissue culture lab in Apopka, Florida. And you know, we developed our own cultivars for food production specifically. So large leaf size, tight node spacing, just really focusing on high leaf production, consistent caffeine, caffeine content, and a faster growth rate. And, and by the way, all of our trees are males, so we don't have to worry about processing the berries out since um, Yopon's a holly, so all the females have berries. Um, today, I would say maybe 20% of our supply is cultivated. There's, a, like I said earlier, about 100,000 trees in the ground. Approximately 70% of those are in Florida, and the remainder are in our other location, which is in the Mississippi Delta area. So that's where the majority of the industry exists today. We also have a, a nonprofit industry association, which is based in Austin, Texas. I would say about half of the Yopon producers in the U.S. are centered around Austin, and the rest of us are sort of smattered throughout the Southeast. Um, are these producers folks that were already producing Yopon, or is it something that you entered into, you know, when went and talked to producers saying, hey, this might be a good crop if you'd be interested? Well, uh, when I started doing it, there was nobody else. There was no commercial supply of Yopon at all. So you couldn't buy a tea product made from Yopon, period, unless you, you know, had a, you could buy a plant and make your own or something like that. Um, but there was no commercially available product. What, what I didn't know until afterwards was there, there were about two other people who were trying to get into it at the exact same time. So there were three of us in the industry that were about to jump in unbeknownst to one another. And that was uh, me and then um, a person named Abby Ann Fala from Texas. She has a company called Cat Spring. And then a producer in Savannah named Luth Doman, who has the Yopon Wellness Company. And we really started all around the same time. This is 2011, 2012. And then there were, you know, several other producers that came on in the years since. And we've really tried to agglomerate all of these producers underneath an industry association called the American Yopon Association. And the reason for that is because it's a new industry. It's a nascent supply chain. And we want to set industry standards. We want to make sure that we're all producing, you know, a high quality product that addresses, um, number one, the very significant ethnobotanical history of Yopon in a respectful way. And also that we can build this supply chain in, um, in a uh, environmentally sustainable way as well, which I think, you know, the vast majority of the industry is on board with that, which is great. And that's the real benefit from creating a supply chain from nothing is you don't have to play by the rules. There are no rules to start. So we <laughs> kind of wrote our own, you know, we decided what kind of industry we wanted this to be. And um, luckily I think most of the people in it are like-minded and feel the same way that I do. That's really, really cool. Can we go back and talk a little bit more about the opportunities for farmers? Specifically, I'm wondering if you're, consistently looking for new farmers and land to grow on? Um, and if so, is there a, a way of getting in touch with you and getting more information about signing on? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are looking for farmers to grow yopon, especially certified organic farmers. Um, we do have several, uh, maybe even tens of thousands of trees available to farmers. There is a cost associated with those, but it's fairly small. Uh, and you can fit up to 2,500 trees per acre. So uh, it can have a really good return for that. Uh, we do contract with farmers who are willing to sell us all the output. So we'll buy everything you can produce at a predetermined price. So it tends to be a pretty good deal for farmers and some stable income. And you can feel free to send me an email at brian, B-R-Y-O-N, at yoponbrothers.com. That's so great. And you partner with small scale farmers, like you're not necessarily looking for giant farmers with lots of land, but you will partner with somebody who has smaller parcels of land, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually ideal because we don't have enough production capacity to purchase, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of leaves, but we can purchase thousands of pounds of leaves pretty easily. So the idea is, you know, less than 10 acres, even our largest farms are only about 10 acres. Uh, we do target farmers who have commercial capabilities. So we're not really looking for, you know, people who just have some land laying around and they don't know what to do with it and they don't have any infrastructure. I mean, you do need some irrigation um, until the plants are established and some capacity to manage them, you know, as they are a crop. So you do have to put some work into it like anything else. Um, but yeah, small farmers are great. That's, that's who we're targeting for sure. That's fantastic. And one of the things that we, I guess, haven't mentioned yet is that the tea is uh, certified organic. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We're one of uh, three certified organic producers of Yopan. Yeah. What led to that um, sort of decision that you wanted to be organic? Um, honestly, I think it's because we recognize the the consumer value of being certified organic. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's very important on a consumer facing level. For Yopon, it's kind of a given, like there's no GMO Yopon, it doesn't exist. Um, it's native, so it requires very little inputs. So it kind of lends itself to being an organic crop. You know, it doesn't need a lot of uh, fertilizers or pesticides or irrigation to be grown successfully. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it was just a natural evolution of events. That led us to that. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. absolutely. And in some ways, uh, part of that, you know, approach also takes into consideration, you know, connecting with be, being native to uh, Florida, as you have pointed out, uh, is sort of being connected to, you know, the indigenous culture uh, of this particular crop. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is a super important component of the Yopon industry, because um, when I mentioned earlier that how crazy is it that nobody knows what Yopon is, you know, and for 8,000 years, there are a million people on the Florida Peninsula consuming it literally every day. And now it's just totally unknown. And, and what became clear as we moved on through the years of doing this is that the lack of knowledge about Yopon or the awareness deficit, as we call it, is a direct consequence of the erasure of indigenous cultures in America. So um, Yopon was consumed both as a sacrament uh, like as a ceremonial item, a purification ritual, and also as a food and a medicine and casually as a tea for thousands and thousands of years, all throughout the Southeast United States by millions of indigenous people for, for a long time. Uh, the, the issue is that 
Um, most of these cultures did not have a written language. And once they were extir extirpated from uh, their, their uh, indigenous lands, which is in the Southeast United States where the Yopon naturally grows, you know, you remove them one generation and a lot of these cultural connections are severed forever. And I think that's what's happened in a large way with Yopon is, um, you know, the systematic erasure of not only indigenous people, but of their culture and the culture included Yopon in a big way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we bringing it back uh, is, is a very deliberate and intentional way of paying respect to its history. You know, this is something that has always been here. It's going to be here, you know, for the foreseeable future, even despite all the environmental challenges that we face, it's a very tough plan. It's not going anywhere. And um, I think that, you know, bringing Yopon back forces people to confront an uncomfortable reality about our history in, in a way that isn't negative. You know, it's constructive. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in fact, that's part of one of the, I guess, things that you all do is that you want to support, you know, the native and indigenous people uh, who have, you know, grown the crop. And uh, if I'm mistaken, a uh, percentage of your online sales are donated directly to some of these groups. That's right. So 5% uh, of our online sales of our EcoTubes uh, go to a, a nonprofit called Natives, which is the North American Traditional Indigenous Food System. Uh -huh. and it was started by um, a guy named Sean Sherman, who's a Lakota Sioux chef. Uh, he lives in Minneapolis, but is from South Dakota originally. And he's pretty well known these days. Um, he, he had a cookbook called The Sioux Chef that was a New York Times bestseller. It was, a, I think, two-time James Beard award-winning book. And now he has a restaurant in Minneapolis called Owamni. Uh, in which all of the food is made from totally indigenous ingredients to North America. So everything is pre-colonial. They don't have sugar. They don't have alcohol. I mean, it's a long list of things they don't have. And I, I believe, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I believe that Esquire magazine just said it's one of the top 10 new restaurants in the United States. So it's really fabulous. Of course, they serve you upon there. Cool. And uh, it's, a, it's a really, really wonderful experience. Yeah. So you've talked about this before, how you didn't just want to bring back Yopon because it's, you know, inherently a good thing to do or to keep the crop going. You actually believe that it's something that tastes great and that people will flock to. Like, it's a very viable product. Thinking of that, can you talk a little bit about what the taste is like and then maybe get into some of the benefits of drinking Yopon? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that this is like a multi-part question because... Um, we drink a tremendous quantity of tea in the United States. Uh, we import into this country a quarter million tons of tea leaves every year. Uh, so 150 million Americans drink tea in some form every single day. Uh, about 90% of that is ready to drink. So either in a cup or a bottle, you know, for instance, um, a lot of it is really crappy quality stuff um, that is the leftovers from processing higher quality tea. Um, I think American consumers by and large really are not familiar with what tea is. You know, you can't walk up to somebody on the street and say, Hey, do you know uh, that tea is Camellia sinensis? And then it came from China. Originally, most people are totally oblivious to that. I think that they, they think any leafy or flowery stuff mixed in water is tea, you know, as far as your consumer is concerned. So that's the main reason why we market Yopon as American tea, because it is, you know, native to America and it is, 
as far as consumers are concerned, a tea. Uh, it is not actually tea. It's a totally different plant species, but it does taste a lot like tea in my opinion. Um, one major difference is that it has far less tannin than tea. So it's not nearly as bitter. And you can also steep it over and over and over again, and it will never get bitter like tea does. So there are fewer rules with Yopon. Uh, it loves heat and time. It's a very tough leaf. Uh, you know, it has to live here in Florida, it has to deal with the heat and the salt and the droughts and the hurricanes and all that. So it's very uh, tough, waxy leaf, and it needs hot water to break that down. But um, it's much easier to produce at home than tea. Um, and it's delicious. It's very refreshing. It's, it's less bitter. Um, it does have a, a slightly floral, vegetal, tea-like flavor, but uh, I think in a more palatable and pleasing way than most teas that we drink. Would you say that it's um, somewhat similar to, uh, and for those you know people listening um, and familiar with the um, Argentinian or South American yerba mate tea? Yeah, I mean, it is similar. Uh, it's related to yerba mate. They're in the same family. Uh -huh. It's also related to Wayusa, which is a caffeinated holly that is consumed in Ecuador. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really taste like yerba mate. And I don't really know what the major difference is. I suspect that it is a difference in the processing methodology. So like there's this whole fermentation piece with a lot of yerba mate that we don't do with Yopan and that is not done with Wayusa. I would say Yopan tastes a lot more like Wayusa than yerba mate, but It is a similar plant. I mean, it's closely related. They're both caffeinated hollies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in terms of just the crop itself, how does it fit into organic, as we were saying, but maybe sustainable agriculture systems? Can you maybe speak a little bit to uh, how by growing the crop, again, a crop that is native here in Florida, which is great, um, really contributes to having an uh, applying sustainable cropping system? Yeah, well, first of all, I think um, indigenous foodways in the U.S. are vastly understudied and poorly understood, which is a real bummer because I can tell you that there were a million or so people living on the Florida Peninsula for 8,000 plus years, and they had enough food to be on average a foot taller than their Spanish counterparts when they arrived. So these were healthy population, large populations that were sustained completely by an indigenous food system. And they even had like a relatively sedentary lifestyle, you know, so they were able to hunt locally and eat plants locally and have enough food to survive for thousands of years. So I really think that we owe it to ourselves to, to inspect that system in, with more detail and to Uh, think about ways that we can produce products from indigenous plants that people actually want to buy. You know, it's like creating consumer value and utility from these indigenous ingredients that are delicious, that are nutritious, that are attractive and appealing to consumers. So I, I really do think that that's why we've had success is because, um, I don't know, I have like a goofy brain and I just am always thinking about, I love products, you know, but I also love not making waste. And I love, you know, thinking about things just a little bit differently than a lot of other people out there doing the same thing. And we've been able to build products from this native plant that are delicious, that look amazing, that smell great, that have, you know, properties that consumers want to buy. So I think that 
that's the way we need to look at it. You know, wherever we are in the U.S., there are plants that uh, grow around us that could be commercialized, could even be commoditized potentially. And if we were to replace, for instance, non-native monocultures with something that is native, we're going to offset a lot of garbage that we don't need in our lives. And I think that that is probably a good idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've read um, on your website that you have worked in the past with different research institutions to develop new products. Is that an ongoing situation? Are you constantly working with uh, research institutions to come up with new products? Yeah, it's like an off and on thing. I mean, I think that there's interest from organizations like IFAS um, at UF who, you know, would love to explore these options in more detail. Um, there tends to never be enough funding or resources available to build a, you know, concerted effort behind it. Um, but, but we have worked with IFAS many times. Uh, they actually helped us roll out our first pilot program with farmers, mostly in Flagler, Putnam, and St. John's counties here in Florida. It's where our first trees were planted. Um, so yeah, they've been very supportive and we've worked with other similar, um, uh, land grant institutions like the university of Georgia, um, Mississippi state university, for instance, um, we've, uh, we've had, uh, collaboration with UGA and UNC on sequencing the genome of Yopon, which still to this day has never been done. So there's work being completed on that. Um, yeah, it just runs the gamut. We work, we work with any organization that shows interest in, in helping us move this crop forward. And uh, probably not thinking of a complete list right now, but there definitely are several organizations that have been helpful and collaborative. That's great. And speaking of collaborations, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Heritage Foods Project that brought us together. So. Florida Organic Growers is partnering with Santa Fe College on this new Heritage Foods project where we're hoping to promote and increase and bring a fuller awareness to crops that are grown in Florida that have a cultural and historical significance to different cultures that uh, are people that live here in Florida. So we have an upcoming symposium that's happening on September 30th here in Gainesville at Santa Fe College and it's open to the public. Registration will be available on our website very soon at www.foginfo.org slash events. Uh, and Brian is going to be taking part in that as a speaker at the event. So if there's anyone out there that wants to learn more about Yopon and sustainable regenerative agriculture and growing native crops, he will be there to talk more about Yopon. We also have an upcoming podcast recording that will talk more about the Heritage Foods Project. So we'll get more into detail about that but we're really looking forward to having you there, Brian, at the symposium, and we're so glad that we made this connection with you. Awesome. It's just such an interesting business model and such a cool idea to get these native crops out to the public and have us thinking a little bit differently about what we consume and how we can have an impact on our local economy and our local farms and farmers. So thank you again so much. Me too, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, in terms of how uh, the people listening can find out more about your company and Yupon Tea, um, is there a, a website or um, how, how can they um, find out more about you, what you, all, you guys are doing? 
Sure. Um, well, you can go to yoponbrothers.com and we have another brand based in Mississippi that's called Yazoo Yopon. So you can visit yazooyopon.com. Uh, the American Yopon Association, you can find information about them at yoponamerica.org. And there's a lot of really good producers in that organization. Uh, you can also find our products on Amazon, walmart.com, and uh, all Whole Foods in Florida. Great. Great. Uh, well, thank you, Brian, so much for joining us um, today. This has been a very interesting conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time to explain to us what Yopan is all about. And certainly, I've never tried it. I'm certainly going to go and, 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 you know, try it now. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, a lot of the people listening can be interested in, in finding out more about the tea. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talking to us today. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And uh, to everyone, we thank you for tuning in once again. You can find out more about these and other topics in uh, our website, foginfo.org, and our Fresh Day podcast. We look forward to talking to you soon in our next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. FOG is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so to keep our content available and free to the public, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen, and consider making a tax-deductible donation. Learn more about our work on our website, www.foginfo.org.